Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and -and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. 
With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. Once in a blue moon, I get a chance to talk with Andy Nelson about a movie, The Nice Guys, Raw, and now today, 2019's Les Miserables, which is not an adaptation of the Victor Hugo novel. Hey, Andy, how you doing? I am great, and I'm excited to talk about this movie with you. Well, it was your pick from November 2nd, 2019. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so excited to talk about it. Because <laughs> I got to pick it. <laughs> you got to pick it. And now you said it was inspired by the 2005 riots in Paris and the personalities of the three main police officers, and that it felt very current, and the, you liked the tension and the situations. Director Lodge Lee was inspired by Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing in La Haine. Pete said it looked like season six of The Wire, but in French. And I said, I hope it didn't get remade in America as Training Day 2. Mm. <laughs> so today is November 2nd, 2020. So one year to the day, one year to the day, Andy, from when you picked this as your trailer, we are talking about Les Miserables, which is currently available on Amazon Prime. J'en appelle à votre esprit d'équipe. La cohésion. Sans cohésion, pas d'équipe. Et sans équipe, on est seul. J'ai pas choisi la bonne équipe, mon pote. Hein. Contrôle de police. Vous faites quoi, là On attend le bus. Vous attendez le bus, là Ça sent le shit, ça. Eh, hey, c'est bon, c'est bon. Je vous filme, vous avez pas le droit de faire ça. Arrête de filmer. Non. T'es contente, là Ici, c'est notre vie. Well, this opened in France on November 20th, 2020, or 2019, sorry, yep. and expanded globally January and February 2020, making $18 million. Now, it's always difficult to find a lot of information about uh, box office and all of that when we're dealing with international markets, but I could not find any information about this film being available here uh, in the U.S. on Blu-ray or DVD or anything. It appears that this is one that Amazon picked up, and it is only exclusively available on Amazon Prime. So as, as I will say... For those of you who like to collect your physical media, this is one that you're not going to get. This is a streaming only from Amazon Prime. It is, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting thing because Netflix has certainly shifted and has started making physical media available. I mean, it, it's been going on for quite a while. I shouldn't say they've. it's like a recent thing. They've been doing it almost uh, since they started putting out original content. I mean, all of their stuff's been out in physical media. They just, like anything else, usually wait a year or something before they do so. Uh, and now they have a deal with Criterion, so their big films like uh, The Irishman and Roma are going straight to Criterion when they do get released in physical media. So it's nice to see them taking that path uh, to allow for that. It's interesting that Amazon has chosen not to do that. And uh, I mean, yeah, they're just, they're, especially now, <laughs> I know we're not here to talk about Amazon and all of the stuff, but just with the recent news that they have about 
uh, purchases through Amazon and everything. So, so it's interesting that uh, that's where we uh, that's where we start with this one. Well, I think with Amazon having that whole digital distribution model, the question would be, and and for a movie like this, I would say I I can't imagine there would be a large market for actually physical copies of this that would justify the cost of going into you know actual manufacture and distribution of physical discs and the printing and man, all of those pieces uh, when. It's something they can host on their on their servers, and people can can rent it or buy it, or they're paying for it through their Amazon Prime subscription. Amazon's reducing its overhead, and I, you know, I could just imagine a, a warehouse with you know, you know, boxes of these DVD or Blu-rays of this just sitting there um, because it's not a film that I mean, I think a lot of people were eager to see uh, in, in the mainstream audiences. It's a it's a foreign film. Um, so it's not one that I would anticipate, uh, you know, and not any names that I recognized. I'm not a huge cinephile when it comes to, you know, French films. So I don't know if these are like name actors over there, but it wasn't something that was, was familiar to me. Well, that's what I was going to say is, is potentially a reason why uh, that Amazon hasn't because like Manchester by the sea, which was another one of yeah. theirs did get physical uh, copy distribution. Um, I, it just may be that it was part of the distribution deal and it's, it just falls to distribution and it's a whole other conversation, yeah. but in the world of distribution, especially when you're dealing with uh, foreign language films and doing distribution in other countries, they're cutting whatever deals, you know, make sense for them. And it's, yeah, I would, I would imagine in a case like this, that the production companies behind this film said, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to push physical media over there. Let's just get a deal with Amazon and we'll just pump it out um, through that. So it makes sense. Yeah. So this film, you know, knowing that people may just come across it on Amazon Prime, they're scrolling through this, this comes up. Who is this film for? I mean, I my response was, I hope they don't make it as, you know, Training Day 2. So I, you know, back when we saw the trailer, saw some similarities to, to Training Day. Um, is this a film that you think somebody that's a fan of Training Day would would uh, enjoy? Is this a, a typical cop movie if you're, if you know... Because we've all been talking about, what was it, Bad Boys 3, you know, being the top grossing, you know, movie of uh, 2020 <laughs> in the U.S. So if you're a fan of Bad Boys, is this a, t- a type of film that might appeal to you? Who, who's your, I don't who do you think? think so. But I do think that there is an element to kind of the the docu-style cop thriller that's a little more tough, a little more gritty. You know, I, I think that there are films that fit. Training Day, I do think that there is an element that fits with the context of this, even though that feels much more scripted and this, this feels scripted, but it doesn't feel scripted in the same way that something like training day does, but training day, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, some of the grittier kind of cop films where it just feels like you're, you're in the life with these people, like uh, even going into something like narc or something, you know, there's an element of that raw gritty feel with, uh, some of the handheld, camera work that you have in this. So I, I suppose that's what I would say. I mean, it feels like it feels like a cop thriller. It definitely has that vibe. There's a lot of dramatic elements to it in relation to the way that the story plays out. I, I feel like there's a much stronger message in the course of this film than you get in some of those other cop films, but I don't think that's going to keep people away from it. I think the way it wraps up might turn those people off afterward, but <laughs> but I think in context of the film itself, I think it's a it's an incredibly strong and interesting film with really interesting police characters. And I think that's something else, you know, if if you're if you're watching cop films 
to see, you know, good cops, then it may not be the film for you. Because we're watching cops who are, it's it's kind of the training day despicable cop sort of characters. It, it reminded me, I don't know if you if you ever saw uh, End of Watch, David Ayer's film with... Um, it's been on my list for okay. so long and I still Michael haven't Michael Pena and, yeah. and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, but right, right. It, it has that similar gritty, we're in the streets, you know, clearly it's, it, it's the cops that are sort of embedded in these troubled neighborhoods and have to be, you know, law enforcement, but also have to deal with strong criminal elements and have to have to negotiate peace with that. And so that was one that uh, it reminded me of because it was one that had been on my list for years and years and years. And I finally got around to watching earlier this year. And it, it has that that gritty, like right there in the in the streets type of feel to it. That, and this reminded me a lot of that. So I would say if you're a film of, you know, fan of those David Ayer cop films, this might be something that you would be interested in with yeah. that just that, that gritty um, aspect to it. Certainly. So you said, you know, this may not be be a film for everybody how did how did it end up on your your rankings on your your flick chart your letterboxd your your whatever other rating systems andy nelson has for ranking and rating his movies yeah sure uh, i mean just speaking specifically to the film i found it to be an incredibly compelling story i loved the characters i mean our, our two our new kind of rookie I, i'll call him a rookie even though he's not a rookie yeah. but he's a rookie to this area a uh, cop like I found him to be uh, he's a, he's the perfect character to be the one that I identify with because I was right there with him through the bulk of this story I was as frustrated as he was with these other two cops that are just they're they're bad cops you know I I just I was completely compelled by the story by the characters I found everybody incredibly interesting and it just everything worked for me it ended up very high for me it ended up at a four and a half out of five on my Letterboxd uh, uh, ranking over there at letterboxd.com slash Soda Creek Film. And on Flickchart, when I rank it over there, it ended up in spot uh, 141 out of 4,504. So it ended up at a 97%, really, really high. And that's after two two viewings. I just, I, I find this to be incredibly compelling from start to finish. I'm right there with you. It is solid four and a half star film for, for me. It is just, there was something about the pacing of the story. And, you know, if, if I have to summarize everything in this, I mean, it's very, it's a very simple story to, to summarize. There's, there's not a lot that happens, but there's such complexity to all the characters and the, this world that is built that just made it such a rewarding watch to, to go along this very basic journey of just, you know, get from point A to B or, or obtain this item. But it's not that simple because of the characters. And for me, that's the rewarding piece of the dynamic between our, our team of three, uh, the neighborhood that they're in, all the, the players in the neighborhood, even, you know, early on the expectation that sort of the, the, the commander or captain puts in place of, of what her expectations are for our new, you know, team member. All of these elements just work were woven together so well that it was a I don't want to say I always hate saying it's enjoyable watch because <laughs> it's a tough watch and it's it's harrowing and it's emotional and it's a thrilling roller coaster ride. I hate to use that, you know, cliche, but it's got ups and downs and just when I think the story is sort of like 
wrapping itself up or we're getting to, it, it, it launches into this, this final act that is this final moment is just really, really uh, compelling and left me with a lot to think about. So for me, it ended up in uh, number 48 out of 648 movies, uh, which I don't have the percentages in front of me, but it's clearly way up in, you know, my top, uh, top films in my top yeah. 50. Uh, so definitely one that, um, um, I will probably watch again and again and again because there's, I, there's, I feel there's something very rewarding in going along uh, the journey with these characters. And the general consensus out there uh, is, is right there with us. Uh, it has an, a weighted average review on Letterboxd of 3.79 uh, out of 5 based on hmm. ni- 19,635 reviews. So, you know, creeping up on on four stars over at imdb has 7.6 stars based on 16,666 votes um what's interesting is i had watched this film the first time a couple months ago and had put just made some notes and the actual the the ratings stayed the same but the number of views had each increased by about 3,000 on imdb and over at letterboxd but they they stayed basically where they are so i feel like this is sort of they found their home zone where they're going to reside over at imdb and um, letterbox and if if you know your ratings over at imdb 7.6 is you know that puts it up in a i think an upper echelon of, of films that makes it really clearly something that the the fans there think is definitely yeah right worth worth watching so listeners if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled this is your chance to pause the podcast and check out les miserables over on amazon prime <laughs> And we're back, Andy. We we can get into the nitty gritty of this nitty gritty oh. story here. Okay. The Lion Cub did it. <laughs> so I mean, this is a film. There's this is what I don't like. I don't want to spoil for people. You know, when I tell them about this, but the, I, I get so excited about it because the film keeps like ratcheting up the tension. It just from the beginning, it just keeps going and just keeps getting tenser and tenser. And there's there's little like release valves along the way, but I feel like that for me that was the the joy of the movie. So I don't I don't want to tell people about these great <laughs> moments unless they've seen it because I feel like right. it would it would deflate the tension that the film is building because it just is so well architected in how we just work our way through the story, which is, you know, as we, we mentioned in the, the front, we've got this new member of the team, Marie's joining the team and he's, he's what, he's moved to the city. It's, you know, a family thing, yeah, whatever. It's right. It do, doesn't matter. He's the new guy and he's well, on the it, team, right? It matters to a certain extent. Well, yes. we'll just put an asterisk yeah, to that because right. we get, yes. to, we'll get, find that out later. Yes. But he's the new guy on the team and we get early on as he gets into the station, it's, you know, there's the typical competition of like, oh, you're with those guys. You should join us out on the night team. That's where the real action is, this and that. And the, the captain yeah, comes game, in. Right. Yeah, the captain comes in and says, look, you know, here's my expectations. We sort of do things by the book, but also that it's important for the, you know, to be part of the team. Because if we do, if we aren't working together, we're not a team. And if we're not a team, we're all in this alone, all that. So setting this expectation that's going to play into the the tension that with that team of, because we've already seen these guys are just sort of the, they, they 
tread on the, you know, in the gray areas a lot, but the captain, you know, says the team is important, but, you know, don't do anything that's going to cause trouble. And clearly that's, that's not going to work for us. <laughs> we, we get that sense from that already from these, 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 these two guys that have, what they nickname him, what greaser, you know, the greaser, greaser right. Yeah. Right. From the beginning, they're going to give him a nickname. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're hazing him. You know, we've got all of that stuff. Um, and for me, the, that's those are the that's the the training day piece that I that I got out of it of like you know the Ethan Hawk rookie and I'm here with the veteran he's going to show me the ropes of the neighborhood. But these these two guys have been doing this. They say they it's it's been ten years that they've right. been working this this neighborhood, so they know the people. And that's that's Chris and uh, Guada. And Chris right. is what what's his? He's like the he's got the desk with all the like pigs, you know, on yeah. it, all that stuff. He's yep. like embraced that whole thing of like cop as pig of like <laughs> that's the insult. I'm going to embrace that. I don't care. He just I'm going to take that and I'm going to turn it around. And they have such like ego and attitude and oh. It's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> he he is just terrible. And I, I, I just have to mention that Alexis uh, Menenti plays Chris, and he totally is like an Ethan Embry lookalike. Like, every time I look at him, I'm like, I feel like he's stre- stepped out of that thing you do 10 years later with a rougher life, and here he is now as a policeman <laughs> in Paris. He just, he just totally feels like it's the same person, which is funny. But he is just, he is the embodiment of that uh, training day that that cop character who runs this neighborhood by by creating fear in everybody and you can tell because when they walk away and we're still with the characters they're talking about how much they hate them and just they're they're awful and all this sort of stuff so you get this real sense that everybody hates uh chris and guada but they just have to take it because they're the policemen in this in this particular neighborhood which we should say it's a. It's not a great neighborhood. It's the right. uh, commune of Montfer Montfermeil. I'm not sure how you pronounce that properly, but as they do point out, it is the neighborhood where uh, Jean Valjean meets Cosette in uh, in, in Les Miserables. The Les Miserables, yes. right? Right. So yes, it's it's yeah, it's a ghetto type area. I mean, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 not working class. It's people that are struggling to get by. And and soon after we have that scene and sort of in the police station, then they, they go out on patrol and we get our sort of tour of the neighborhood and we get the, get to meet all of the people that are part of, you know, what Chris and Guada, they're, they're sort of their neighborhood that they patrol. And so they know all the people. And so we get this little introduction of the neighborhood and we get to know the environment, who the key players are. And we've got a, a lot of things going on there. We, I mean, we, we get the scene early on there where they're just cruising along and there's the girls smoking cigarettes and we get this whole, the, the, the uh, hostility i don't know the the tension that just like or lack of respect that like chris has for the people that he's supposed to be keeping safe you know of yeah. just like there's there's he, there's no well, he's respect. clearly a person a, who a uses play. his power We're, yeah it's, right yeah, exactly yeah. yes yeah. yes he, he's, he's got that so we get a sense of you know that right away and then the other important piece that's going to come up is the kids in the neighborhood and we we meet this kid buzz who's got a, a drone that he you know how he got the drone i don't know you know <laughs> right. in, in this neighborhood where you know high poverty but he's got a drone that he uses to you know well he's a teenage boy he's going to spy on cute girls and you know through the windows and <laughs> and things like that um but we get that introduction of you know he's got that and the the kids know he has that and that's going to be yeah. a key plot point um, later on. Then we get to sort of the like open air marketplace and we meet 
the mayor, who is is he been elected the mayor? No, I don't think so. <laughs> is he a, is he a gangster that just has influence? It, it's not really clear, but he is a a figure of authority and respect and people go to him. He keeps things moving along smoothly as far as we can tell in this big apartment complex there. And, and that's yeah, the mayor, they, right? And they say something like that. Like he can't, he kind of helped clean up the place at, cause at, right. at one point there were other elements in there, a lot of drugs yeah. or something. And he kind of cleaned it up and now he kind of quote runs the <laughs> town. Right. And yeah, so he he's an interesting character in the way that he handles things, but uh, but even he's not the only one. No, he's he's not. And then, well, we get sort of our our first crucial plot point as as we're at that sort of big shopping bazaar, and all of a sudden there's some big ruckus coming through, and we've got this you know van or vehicle, whatever, from the zoo, right. who is screaming, you know, it's the circus, it's the, it's the, or the, <laughs> sorry, the circus. Yes, you're right. The circus screaming, you know, cursing at everybody because as we find out one of their, uh, well, what, what's his name? Johnny. Johnny's right, been taken. Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Somebody came in and took Johnny. And so, you know, Chris is like, well, what? You know, he took one of your people. No, it's, the, it's a lion cub. Right. So somebody, <laughs> somebody is gone. To, to the circus and taking Johnny from from the circus, and we find out Johnny is the lion cub. So now we've we've got there's threats now. Something's gonna if this isn't taken care of, if the mayor doesn't help take care of this, then Zorro and his team they've invested all this money. Somebody in his neighborhood has taken his property, and there's going to be trouble. And so again, we get our our tension being ratcheted up a little bit because it's already there's there is order but just percolating beneath the surface of that there's there's a potential for a lot of violence yeah right away right uh, because i mean because we have all these elements and i know there's a few more to introduce but it's just like each one of them have kind of their own motivation and their own angle and all i mean really there's six different elements at play here and they all kind of uh, are coming to a head over this whole issue that is uh, created because of this lion cub Johnny getting um, stolen from the circus. So to to get to get a lead on who might have Johnny, Chris is gonna they're they're gonna take a little trip and they're they're gonna give Ruiz the greaser a little little task and they they pull up in front of a little restaurant. They tell him you're gonna go in here, you're gonna go talk to Sala, and you're gonna find out what you can about this uh, lion cub. And for me, this is a really pivotal scene because the character of Sala is another player in the community, but... Right, he's the head of the the Muslim Brotherhood. Yes, the head of the Muslim Brotherhood. So he's got a, a much more spiritual take on everything, and the the interaction that he has uh, with Ruiz, for me, just sort of sets a very interesting and different tone for, uh, for a leader in the community. We have a moment earlier when we're with Buzz, the kid with the drone, and his friends as they get um, stopped by some of Salah's men who are some of the Muslims that yes. are talking to these That's kids true. about yes. being kind of uh, disruptive and stuff and, you know, follow the right path and all that sort of stuff. And, and it it's an interesting element So because we see how these different groups are kind of interacting and working at finding ways to get you know, the, the people, generally starting with the youngest to kind of be with them. And this is a good example of, of Sala's people kind of doing their job of recruiting the kids to kind of be on their side. Yes. And it's very much about, um, 
power and control and in, in this community where, where the kids are and everything. So uh, we're going to have a, a little clip here of this scene with uh, Ruiz meeting Sala and we get Sala's sort of mystical take on what the lion represents. Bonjour. Mes collègues... Je pense que vous pouvez peut-être avoir des informations au sujet d'un vol. Quel renseignement vos collègues sont désireux de connaître Un jeune lion a été volé là, dans un cirque qui vient de s'installer en ville. Et euh, les propriétaires de ce cirque euh, voudraient le retrouver assez rapidement. Et ils soupçonnent un jeune de la cité, un, un individu de type africain. Peut-être que vous ou les personnes ici présentes, vous avez peut-être entendu parler ou vu quelque chose qui sera en rapport avec ce lion. Non Crois-tu que la place d'un lion soit dans un cirque Dans l'islam, le lion est un animal majestueux qui incarne force et grandeur. Les hommes ne devraient pas mettre en cage un animal aussi sage. On est d'accord, mais le mieux, c'est quand même qu'il retrouve son propriétaire assez vite. Et c'est fragile, c'est un jeune lion. Ce serait bien qu'il retourne là où on peut le soigner, le nourrir, tout Depuis ça. Depuis quand est-ce aux hommes de nourrir les lions Les lions ne savent-ils pas chasser Et se nourrir par eux-mêmes L'homme crée des contraintes là où il ne devrait pas en exister. Cela s'appelle la servitude. Sais-tu ce que dit un lion lorsqu'il rugit Oh Allah, faites que je ne m'attaque pas à quelqu'un qui agit avec bienfaisance. Mange en paix. C'est offert par la maison. Salam alaikum. So what I what I thought really interesting is, and I don't know if it was the choice. This is where I think about the the power of good storytelling and, and picking good elements in your story. Because from the trailer, I thought, why is there a lion in a neighborhood? <laughs> where did this come from? The fact that there's a circus in town, but the fact that um, you know when Sala, you know his description of you know what the lion says when it when it roars that it says, "Oh Allah, may he who is benevolent be protected from my claws." You know, this whole idea of what this lion, you know, this, as everybody knows, is, yeah. a, is a dangerous animal and and the power and sort of hinting at, you know, there's within that community, the Muslim Brotherhood, they, you know, can they also be the lion that's going to rise up? There's so many different layers to the, yeah. the, the possibilities for, for violence in here. So that, you know, we, we get our, our players. There's another important player that's going to come up a little bit later um, in the story. But these are our main, you know, we've got between the mayor and Salah and the Muslim Brotherhood and, and the police and, and then, the police. And then and the, the, then it's just the roaming group of kids. kids like, right. The mob of kids, right? Yeah. There, there's yes. kids everywhere in this neighborhood yeah. and they, they right. are definitely one of the six elements that are important because we've seen the police talking to them. We've seen kind of them interacting with some of the girls. We've seen the kids talking to each other and just these different groups talking to them and interacting with them because they, like kids, they just kind of, you know, rove in packs. They're their own little beings at this point and, and, uh, are, are being molded constantly. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. And the 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 fact that it's the sort of the the gang of kids is important because Chris they soon find out where the line is. They find out that one of the one of these kids, Issa, has the line. They see it on like a social media post. Yeah, Instagram. We, he posted. And, and it, his it, friend posted it, or something. But, right on Instagram. So they're like, oh, okay. So they, there's a whole like let's let's get to let's track down Issa to try. You know, there's a, a great scene going to his house. The, the conversation with the mother where we get a lot more insight into the differences between Chris and how he handles things and how. Wada handles things. And for me, that was a really powerful scene with, with the mother and negotiating that sort of peace Just when so you have can, the police, yeah. you know, coming in instead of being the threat of, you know, how do you, you manage that to say, well, I, I need, I need this person on my side. I need, she's, we need that information from her. So I can't just go in, you know, cracking skulls. Right. Yeah. And it's an interesting like when they find out that it's Issa, it's interesting anyway, because we've already been introduced to Issa. And we should just say the film starts with Issa. He's dressed <laughs> almost like a superhero, right? He's yes. wearing he's wearing the flag. He's going out with his friends and the whole group. And they're going to the, the uh, World Cup, the yeah. 2018 uh, World Cup to watch this and watch France win. And this is a moment where everybody is together. And that's what, it's like an amazing way to start this film. You start with this kid being empowered as the superhero. He's great. And then the next time we meet him, it's when we're at the police station and his dad or his stepfather, I'm not exactly sure of their relationship, but he's like telling, he's, throwing him at the cops saying, take him. I'm sick of this kid. All he does is cause problems. He was stealing chickens, yada, yada, yada. It was this like really interesting way to go. Oh, wait, this was the kid at the start that was so happy. Now he's here. His, his father or stepfather is like dumping him at the police station. So clearly there are, there's some issues going on. And then we find this out that he's the one who, uh, who stole the lion. Right. And and reflecting back on when we see him early in the police station that he was stealing chickens, it's, I mean, clearly he's stealing chickens yeah. to, feed, well, we, to feed, feed the lion, well, right? You know, right. why as, would as we see him trying that right. little <laughs> later in the, in the movie, right? Right. So we, so they, yeah, so we, we, we we've got to find Issa. So we, we, we track him down. There are a bunch of kids that are like out on the basketball court or whatever. And so you've got three police yeah, officers. soccer, right? Or soccer, you know. Three police officers outnumbered by what, like 50, 60 kids that they're going to try. And of course, you know, if, if a small group, you can, you can grab a kid, but now it's a large group of kids that are going to def- help, you know, defend Issa, right? So that's, it's not easy. It's just, oh, hand him over. We need to talk with him. It becomes, it becomes messy. And Guada pulls out his big pepper spray canister and gets rushed by the mob. He gets pepper sprayed in the face. Um, you know, right. the, the, <laughs> the, the kids weasel their way through the fence. I mean, they just slip right through this fence. And so we've got a big chase through the streets now of, you know, they're, they're driving, trying to find Isa. Guada can't see very well because he's been, been peppered, pepper sprayed. And so again, we've got this, are they going to catch this kid? What's going on? You know, there's, a, because we know they need to resolve this issue. They need to get the lion because we've, we know we've got the the conflict between Zorro and the mayor. If this doesn't get taken care of, things could get heated in the in the community there. So great, they, there's a high incentive for catching this kid and getting this lion back. So they race, you know, through the streets, foot chase, finally get him. But then the the, the mob of kids what come at them like throwing like garbage, debris, rocks, yeah. anything them. they can and, get a hold of. Hold the hold the right to yeah. push the cops back. They get get Issa back. And in the confusion, 
tension, everything going on, the chaos of all of that. Um, Guada has uh, basically like a concussive like flash gun that, you know. Yeah, it's a flashball. Flashball. Flashball gun, yeah. Right. And is pointed at Issa and goes off at very close range. And Issa goes down. And the kids take off. And that's when they see that the whole thing has been filmed by a drone. That's Buzz's uh, drone. Buzz. <laughs> Buzz's drone that's been flying above them. And we get to a really critical point here with the team because there's not an altogether agreement on what's going to happen. And Ruiz and Chris and Guada sort of have it out in terms of what they need to do about this. Qu'est-ce qu'on fait là? Qu'est-ce qu'on fait, putain? Il respire encore. Qu'est-ce que tu fais là? J'appelle les secours. T'es con quoi? Tu vas leur dire quoi? Qu'on a tiré sur un gamin? Mais putain, on peut pas le laisser là, faut l'emmener à l'hôpital. On va s'en occuper, ok? D'abord, faut gérer le drone. Mais de... qu'est-ce que tu me parles de gérer un drone là? Y'a un gamin inconscient là! Je te parle de Guada, je te parle de moi, je te parle de toi, je te parle de notre équipe, ok? C'est ça la priorité. Si la vidéo elle sort, tous les trois on est cramés, t'as compris? Alors maintenant, tu fais ce que je te dis, on se casse. So, this is, yeah, the priority is the team, right? Oh, Apparently so. Uh, I mean, the, the commissioner earlier said as much, but in, in a particular case like this, it's like, wow. And I suppose this is the point to say, we find out that Chris had looked at Ruiz's file and found out that he had essentially turned some other people into uh, internal affairs because of something. And it seems right. like he's the sort of guy who is ready to do that again, because yes. so much bad stuff is happening. And these people are just doing everything poorly and and the wrong way and it seems like he that's exactly what he wants to do here and then you find all that out and then you have this whole situation uh, with the drone and with the kid it's like oh what are we going to do it's 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 intense to yes. say the least it's it, there's no simple answers with this i mean there there's been a string of bad decisions after bad decisions but it's it's complex. I mean, it, it, it was chaotic. And it's you, you sympathize with Ruiz with like, no, this we've got to do the right thing. But that doesn't, you know, what you think is the right thing may not be the thing that's going to get you the best outcome in this. And so the number one priority is we've got to get that video card. We've got to get that footage out of the drone. So we've gone from, you know, as I said, very simple storytelling of like, oh, we got to find the lion to, oh, there's the kid that has lion. Let's get the kid. Okay, we've got the kid. Now, oh no, we've got to get the, the video card out of the drone. That's all it is. But unfortunately, the environment they are in is not going to make that as easy as just, oh, well, we'll go talk to Buzz and we'll we'll get him to hand over the video card, right? Because Exactly. Yeah, we got kid... to meet yet another group now to, to help <laughs> figure this whole thing out. Right. So we so they take they take Issa to like a nightclub type place and they're going to, you know, they've got connections there. So th this is another neighborhood element that's got influence, power and can get things done. And he right? seems like somebody like, the way that other people are talking, it seems like this might be the person who's like dealing with all the drugs in the area or something yes. like I, I Yes. got a sense that he's like he's doing drug or you know selling he's all the, the dealer drugs. right yeah, yes. exactly exactly so he knows people he knows what's going on right so we've we've got all of that going on so then this you know like they, they know who has the has the drone right they know who yeah. has the drone because again they know everybody that's that's yep. in the neighborhood so then it's a matter of okay who's got it now now as word gets out about the drone this becomes like 
the leverage, right? We've got something on the cops. So you've got the you've got the mayor, you've got the Muslim brother, everybody that you know has been in this sort of tenuous relationship with the police as the authority figure now has something on Chris and Guada. So it doesn't make it as easy as just oh well we'll hand it over to them because they're the police and they're going to ask for it. And so we end up heading back to talk to the mayor. You know he wants to get it. He's going to have a conversation. He's going to head over to the the deli to have a conversation. Um, with Salah and all of that in terms of what is best for the community in terms of who has that. So we, we, we deal with all of that. So we cutting through all that it, very quickly, we, we, yeah. we get, we get a resolution on this, right? We know Ruiz ends up with the card. It, and that is one of my favorite scenes in the film. It's, it's such a tense moment because you have, you have all the elements there. You've got, uh, I think you have all the elements there. You've got an element of the kids. You've got the Muslim brotherhood. You've got the mayor, you've got the cops, you've got the drug guys. Uh, you, and you don't have the, the circus representative there, I guess, but they're there because of, uh, partly because of that, but you've got this really intense moment because Chris just keeps ramping it up because, According to him, he's the one in power because he's the cop. But all right. of these other people, like, they're, they're the least in number always throughout yes. this film, which I find very interesting. But what I love about the scene is the way that Ruiz kind of uses his his logic and his, his just sense of being a good person and actually talks to Sala about this. And they have such an amazing conversation. And that, for me, that defines so much of this film. And I, I really yes. love the conversation, the way it plays out. And I love what Sala has to say with him at the end there when he says, I want to trust you, but you won't avoid their rage, which right. is yes. everything. Like, that yes. is everything. <laughs> yes. No, Sala is, a, he, he is the wise man that knows yeah. and sees what, what is going on. He, he, he sees the way this is going to play out. And he's a, a very wise man and sort of, sort of is the oracle telling us sort of what is, is to come. Because you would think that now, in a typical storytelling, we, we get the card back, we we have one of another very memorable scene, which is, okay, we get the lion, but Zorro, he wants to confront the thief, right? So we the police bring Issa there to Zorro, and you think, okay, he wants an apology from the kid, this will be nice. And it becomes one of the most, like, fraught and intense scenes, oh. because Zorro grabs Issa, they they bring him into the cage with, like, the lion, the huge lion. <laughs> the full-grown lion. The full-grown yeah. lion, and it's just, and Ruiz is gonna shoot the lion, and it's like, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a game. Issa is scared it, to, death, to death. Because this lion is, like, roaring and swiping it's, at him. Yes, exactly. And it's and yeah, it's like the worst you know worst parenting ever, right? Of like, I'll show you not to do this again. Oh, and geez, yeah. it's just you know, but it's the adult of like, it's always about exerting power and control, and this is what Zoro is doing of like, I'm gonna exert the power and influence I have and using the tools I have at my disposal to put this kid in his place so that I don't have to worry about this kid anymore, and it's just. I thought, okay, there, there's, there, you know, the, now, now we're done, right? Because then we get, okay, get off that emotional roller coaster. Everybody goes home. It's sort of the end of the day. They, they decompress. Yeah, it's a great. It's a, it's the nice kind of lull at the end of the second act that lets right. you kind of, kind of take in everything that you've just absorbed over the course of this day, this insane first day at work for Ruiz. Yes, and you get a sense of like everybody's home life. You know, Chris yeah. goes home, and his his kids are there, and, and Guada's home, and uh, but then we, you know, uh, 
Guada and Chris have a little meetup at a no at a Guada bar. And, and Ruiz. And Ruiz, that's right. Guada and Ruiz have a little meetup at, at the bar and a little conversation, in which Ruiz, you know, basically lets Guada know that he knows the way those those flashball guns work, and it's not possible for those things to accidentally go off. And he hands him the card, basically, and says, you know, do with it what you you know yeah. what, you, what you need to do with this. Uh, but and I he think, says like this was the worst day I've yeah, ever had on yes. the job. Like you yes. two are the worst. Worst. Unbelievable. And it, it was a really good moment, especially because yes. right before that, we had a moment with Guada and his mom. Yes. And yeah. when he goes home to her and he is just like, you know, trying to hold back tears, just having a really hard time taking in the fact of just, you know, he shot this kid and just everything that went on over the course of his day and how hard it really was for him. And so to go from that to having uh, Ruiz call him to uh, come to this bar and meet up yeah. and then have basically kind of ha- having him say, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're terrible. I know how these things work. All of this was just awful. I was, I hated all of this. Here's the card. Do with it what you will. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's just one of those moments where it's like, you know, really holding up that mirror for him. Yes. So it's like, okay, that, that was one day, right? Worst, <laughs> worst day ever. So it's like, okay, ne- next day, right? They're going to go on patrol. They're going to, you know, just another typical day. It'll just be some small little things because we, we're not having to track down a lion. Everything, you know, <laughs> smoothed over. And they get there and it's like the kids like rise up and it's this huge like, you know, assault uh, you know, with first it's like what with the squirt guns and they chase them and they sort of pin them in and there, there's kids with like, what, like homemade, like, I don't know, firecracker launcher Essentially, things. yeah, something yes. like that, yeah. Um, and so they end up, Chris Guada and Ruiz have to like bail out into a, a building. Well, they chase the kids, kids first. first like the, right, the, they, yeah. the kids shoot this firecracker thing at their car right. and then run into a building and they, they jump out jump and chase, chase, right? which puts them into the worst trap <laughs> they could fall into. But I think it's important to note that yeah. this is a really interesting moment where you, because you see shortly after this, they're not just after the cops. Right. They are also taking down the mayor. They're also taking, we don't see them with all of the groups. Like they don't no. do anything to Sala. They don't do anything to the circus people, which surprised me, honestly. Right. Um, but, but they, the, uh, they, the, the drug dealer, the, the drug dealer, dealer guy. T- teams come Yeah. They stomp that car. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's it, like a major, like, you know, revolt that happens. Yeah. And well, and I think if you think about it, and this is what I find interesting because, you know, we will get an interesting quote at the end of the film that mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll talk about, but yeah. I, I find that it's, it's just telling that over the course of this film, we have seen. Isa, I mean, he's a he's a kid. He's enjoying himself. He's loving this world of soccer and the World Cup and all this exciting stuff that's going on. But then it's like his father slash stepfather is just kind of throwing him at the cops and abusing him stuff. And clearly, I mean, he's living in this neighborhood. He's a, he has a rough life. He's stealing things. I mean, he is a little criminal, yeah. but it is coming from the world around him. Yes. But then just the way that everybody treats him, like none of them are treating him like a kid, just letting him be a kid. It's all just this awful stuff that he's getting kind of beat up about from all angles. And and so I think at this point, it's just like these kids have kind of, it, it really is this this final revolt by the kids, which I find well, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I guess, you know, even 
Chris like the day before after the whole thing with the lion because Issa's face is like swollen. I mean, he had like it's the concussive force. I mean, he was, you know, he was yeah. unconscious, like a concussion. So his eyes swollen, all of this. And, you know, Chris basically says, they're like, you're he tell just people, dumps him off. <laughs> he dumps him off and says, like, look, you tell people you fell down, basically. Like, you know, right. that's, you know, yeah. of like this, you know, this is done and this is the story you're going to tell. And the next day it's no Issa has, is leading the, the revolt against all of this and just an amazing when I think of we had this vast neighborhood that we were that we were in the day before now this to the, the next day we're, we're combined in the stairwell for for this final confrontation of just getting hedged in and all the debris of you know you've got what shopping carts I mean things are, are blocked off and they just get pinned into a corner and you right. know they have kids above them and kids below, kids below them, them in the stairwell both right. throwing things at them throwing things at them, them right um the the one door that might be able to you know that they that they can get to is like buzzes uh that's that's where buzz lives uh he's not letting them in and uh, chris gets hit with like what a bottle or something uh so yeah, chris he's, gets he's hit bl- with a bottle on the head and then yeah uh guada gets hit by i don't know like a pipe or pipe, something something yeah so the, and the it, mayor comes running in and he oh, gets yes. beaten Be- like he oh, yeah. gets no. beaten by all yes. these kids and he gets thrown beat- out the building right exactly so it's you know all all the the adults that were vying for power and control on this day they they lose all of that and yeah. it it builds to this point where isa is at the top of the stairs looking down he's got a molotov cocktail and ruiz has his gun and is telling him like don't do it and i thought okay where are we going to go from here how are we going to resolve this and that's when it just slowly well and it gets there's like moments because it's like oh ruiz is he going to start lowering it looks like he's calming down is he going to lower his gun yeah Isa is he looking like he he's not quite sure? Yes, it's it, it's, it's and then it fades to black. And oh. it well, and it's a fi- and it's interesting because you don't see this a lot because it's not just like a f- and maybe it's, it's not a fade to black. It's really a, an a, iris, a, an iris onto Isa's face, and yeah. you know, with with the illuminated by the Molotov cocktail, and it then it goes to black, and then we are we we get this quote from from Victor Hugo, uh, and the English translation is. Remember this, my friends, there are no such things as bad plants or bad men. There are only bad cultivators. Mm. And so it's, yeah, people aren't born bad. They're made bad by their environment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that it's a, it's a toxic environment for everybody because... I mean, it is hard to blame any one person for for yeah, anything yeah. that that happens. It is and again the the complexity of the characters and the world that for me makes this such a rewarding story that you get to that point and you think, yes, you're you're absolutely right. There are so many things that went wrong that contributed to all these people making these bad choices. Um, but how do you break that cycle? How do you you know? You know, Issa is going to become the next leader in this in this neighborhood, um, and we look at you know all the adult influence around around him is is not they're not positive influences. No, there's not there's, at all. there's nothing redeeming anywhere. I mean, I think aside perhaps from the the Muslim Brotherhood, we you know that's the the one sort of off to the side where we don't see them 
actively contributing to the the chaos and violence in the neighborhood. But again, this this is a complex issue with with no simple answers. And I love that the film leaves us with that quote, uh, leaves us with something to ponder. Um, this is hanging, yeah, hanging. In, in that way with that quote. I mean, it's it's a perfect way to end it. And I remember when I saw the end. I just like immediately, I think I wrote in my first review, you know, I, not since Inception has a film left me yeah. so frustrated by the way that it ends because it's just <laughs> like, what's next? What's about to happen? Right. But at the same time, it's like, it's, I don't need anymore because I've seen everything that I need based on this, the story and, and the quote and, and the way that this society has kind of built these kids, uh, not just Isa, but all these kids to kind of be who they are. It, they're just, they've been built that way. And of course, this is sort of thing is going to happen. And it's just, it really turned into a powerful, powerful moment that I, I felt like when I saw this end, I'm like, oh, this is, that was the perfect way to end this. It's incredibly frustrating because it leaves people who really want resolution in their movies. You're going to get really frustrated because there is, it's not wrapped up. There is no resolution. The resolution yeah. is just in the, in the message that you get. Yeah. And I yeah. just find that incredibly powerful. Yeah. You need a well-constructed story to get to that point where it's going to end at a point And you can say, well, no matter what happens, there's, there's nothing good that's going to come in any way. It's, it's more chaos, more problems. And it's, it's showing us that this is going to be a, a cycle. It's not going to, be broken. It's not going to have a happy ending for anybody. There's, there's no, you know, magic resolution that's going to come in and solve all the problems. Whether Issa throws the Molotov cocktail or Ruiz shoots him or something else happens, we still have these people engaged in daily conflict with each other to, to struggle to, to maintain control and power in their lives. And that just is going to go on and on from, from day to day. And the fact that it, it did happen, as you said, you know, that reminder of it happens in the shadow of, you know, a sort of like na national celebration of like celebrating, you know, as East is running with the, the French flag of like something that you unite people. And then just as quickly they're at each other's throats. Um, yeah. Over these things of just the, the things that are important to them in their daily life of, of survival will quickly, you know, overcome that, you know, national pride. And it's just, uh, yeah, this is a, a powerful, Incredibly, yes. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly powerful. It was just like, I, I just was so impressed when I got to the end of this. I'm like, oh, that was so frustrating. But it, it for what I just watched, it absolutely had to uh, play this way. If it wasn't for the fact that Parasite came out the same year, <laughs> I yes. would say give this all the awards. Yes. But, uh, but oh, Parasite, no. of course. Yes. Went and took them. So and yes. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yes. But this is this is one that, yeah, it's it's thrilling and engaging from beginning to end. There's nothing I can think of that I would do differently with this because it's a great balance of of action, story, and really compelling characters that I think are are well written. Um I I did and see great it. kid performances. Oh, yeah. like, oh I, yes. I'm always impressed when I see uh, performances from child actors that I'm just yeah. like, oh, they, this, the, like it's completely natural. Yes. Now I, it looks like Buzz might have been the director's son, perhaps um, same last name. So I'm just kind of making that assumption. Yeah. But uh, Isa, who plays Isa, was just uh, just incredible. Like what a what a child performance. He, he gave. Uh, it was really, really strong. Isa Perica. And I just, I um, just felt like he absolutely 
should get any claim just like the others. It's just a lot of strong performances here. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's so much that works, you know, and this is this is Lodgley's this is his first feature film. So I am all on board just crazy. for yeah. whatever uh he's gonna do next. Give this, me more. This was based on um a short film. It's about fifteen minutes long and it's you know, basically, you know, there's a lot of times the seed of the story is there that this is the expansion of that. And sometimes that can work really well, and other times it can feel like, oh well, you just padded out the story. This truly was the full realization of a, of that story of let, let's create some tension and structuring it so well in the in the scope of the world that he created in that neighborhood and I guess it's based on his where he where largely where you know he grew up all of these things um, he grew up there he was there with the riots and and he also grew up in that neighborhood and just has this real sense of that world and I think he captures it uh, incredibly well yeah yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing else that I can think to say other than if you haven't watched it and we just spoiled it for you, go watch this movie right now and feel bad about having us spoil it for you if you have not seen it yet. Because this is one that I, you know, can't help but recommend to anybody. I think um, it's, it's not comfortable to watch, but I think it's one that for me, the importance of the questions that's going to get people to, to think about is is more important. And I will say, I'll, I'll push people to be, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable and this may not be for you, but it should give you something to think about because I think it's an important question to be thinking about in our in our world today about kids and, you know, so many things. I mean, I could probably, I feel, yeah, this is one of these films I feel like I could write an essay, you know, of just like analyzing <laughs> right. everything going on in this, on, on this film. I don't know if there was anything, you know, that when you watch films, Andy, I know you often, you, you focus on the score and the music, and I didn't know if there was anything in this one that, that stood out to you in terms of the, the music. Not, not in terms of the music. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it works well, especially in that last build there at the end. But I did, I did just say, as far as the camera work, I did like the camera work. It had a very um, kind of raw feel to it when we were on the ground. Um, but then I thought that was a beautiful contrast with the footage that felt, I mean, sometimes it is the actual drone, kind of you're watching it flying very peacefully overhead. Sometimes it's just a, a helicopter shot designed to look like a drone, or who knows, maybe they were filming with drones. It's entirely possible. But regardless, just the, the contrast between the two, like being so peaceful when you're up above, but then so uh, raw and visceral when you're down in it. I, I thought that was really impressive. Okay. Well, I've had a great time talking with you about We always pick good ones, Andy. We always have a good conversation I, you know, when we pick movies yeah. to talk about. Bring me right? back for another good one. I, I, <laughs> I will. Well, for our listeners, thank you to list, for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your podcast listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. And if you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can join us over on our community and Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. Andy alluded to the whole like Amazon digital rights thing. There's a there was a whole oh, yeah. thing about that. There's always, believe me, there's always something about Disney Plus and something that they're <laughs> doing or not doing that's going on there, or just uh, great films that people have been seeing and, and sharing their reviews. So we'd love to to see you over there in Discord. Well, Andy. It absolutely has. Thank you for having me on. And, and for those people, if you are interested, thenextreel.com slash Discord. Awesome.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.